At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Festock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 32. We are now in season two of High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. I am your host, Chris Williams. This is part two of my interview with an incredible, fascinating duo in Susan Apgood and Kelsey O'Planick of the News Generation, Inc. Now, the reason why there's two people instead of just me talking to Susan is because she has a very unique concept. She believes in mentoring. She's doing it right now. And as a Gen X CEO of a company that is doing awesome in the digital media space and providing tours and delivering content and facilitating conversation. I think it's really interesting that she has decided to bring in a millennial inside of the executive realm of her world and continue to build uh, that next tier of leadership. And so I want you guys to sit back, relax, grab some notes, be willing to listen to my second half of this interview with Susan and Kelsey as they deep dive more into their relationship, how they're working together, the nuances, what they've built so far and what news generation is really doing to continue to move forward. Take a listen. So when you work with different companies and they come to you and they say, Susan, we've got this problem and we need to solve it or you know we're, we're trying to get this message out and we can't seem to you know here's what we're trying to do here's the ROI we're looking for what are, what are some of those common mistakes that you kind of see when it comes to um, those those tours or those releases that that people are putting together that you think is important for um, executives to understand when working with somebody uh, of, of your caliber and the type of company that you provide service Right. I think one really important thing, and, and this seems counterintuitive, but a lot of spokespeople or companies, especially corporations, will come to us and say, we've got this great new product that's going to change the way that people do banking or the way that they uh, get their healthcare services. And to them, it's more important to get their name mentioned and mentioned often than it is to really educate people about the product or service and how it's truly going to improve people's lives. And I think a lot of uh, CMOs uh, and, and CEOs get that wrong because to them a measure of success is how much they were, their name was heard on the news and not the knowledge of the story that they were able to tell in the process of getting their, their name in the news. And so we'll have, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but, but when we used to have um, clients who were launching big products and, and uh, you know, doing things that, um, that got a lot of sort of chatter in the marketplace, um, the, the, the companies thought, oh, I've got, I got 17 mentions during that four-minute interview. That was a great success. 
but it's not the mentions that help them. It's the information that helps the end user to circle back to the company. So I think that that's where a lot of people do get it wrong uh, because if they can provide a solid case as to what they're doing is going to save people money, time, or days of their lives, uh, that's much more important than getting the product name mentioned 17 times. Wow. And I think having, you know, in general in the communications industry, the more that communications people can, can be at the table with the leadership only helps messaging and strategy um, because then it's, it's not the CEO coming down and saying, you know, the measure of success being those mentions because maybe they just don't understand. So the more that, you know, the chief communications officer can be in those high-level discussions is just going to help in, in general um, with the brand voice and making sure that it's not just about mention, 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 and it's actually about what you're able to offer to your consumers. Which is a, you're right, it is kind of, now that I think about it, Susan, it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think I think one of the things that and I, I will say I have completely always assumed that um, kind of starting out is how many mentions are you getting as opposed to what the actual story is being told and how you're getting people to engage more. And I would even say uh, for for what we do, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a podcast show and even even in things that I can even think of in 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 my corporate and, and entrepreneurial journey. You know, I, I don't think I've probably put enough in those times when it was definitely necessary to think about those call to actions. And I would almost even say some some companies probably even struggle with how to tell that story so that people feel uh, the call to action and know what to do. Um, on the reverse side of that, I'm sure there's some people that you worked with who um, who've been who've done very successful at following the plan that you laid out for them and being able to get a true result that um, they're seeking. What would you say are maybe some of those common threads of some of those uh, successful um, client stories that y'all would say you have that kind of separate them from, from, from others that, you know, probably just didn't go as well? Yeah. I mean, I think um, if, if your end goal is to sell product, you're probably, and I should say hundred percent, but you probably will not be successful in your media outreach. If your end goal is to truly help people, and whether that has a financial implication or a health implication, and, and that is your your motive and, and the, the real reason why you're doing it, you will succeed. And I've sort of adapted that culture in the way that I work with clients. Like I don't want clients, I don't want to have to convince clients that our service or using media relations services is something they should do. But once they decide that they want to use media relations, I want them to use us. So I sort of put that on the client as well. So if, if you're on the end where you're feel, you feel like you're, you're always doing the sales job, then there's probably something missing in the core of your business to really want to do good. Uh, and, and so you know we, we talk now a lot about instead of just the bottom line, there's the, the triple bottom line. And, and one of those lines is, is really doing good and, and taking your corporate social responsibility seriously. And I think when I started this company, we were in the sort of the start of the tech boom. And it was just all about moving products. And 
uh, now it's it's really um, almost a demand of consumers to make sure that the companies that they buy from, that they're voting with their dollars towards, that these companies are doing the best that they can in terms of for the environment and for health and for um, the economy. So it's it's something that is a requirement and not a nice to have. It's a it's a absolute requirement, and so I feel like if people don't buy into that, uh, I need to not sell, and I need to really let people know why what we're doing is so important. If they don't have that mindset, they're they're never going to uh, succeed in the earned media space. Maybe if they're purchasing time, it might be a little different, but I still think that audience are audiences are really smart, and consumers can see through a lot of old and sort of useless sales techniques. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you are an adjunct professor for American University. How has that um, influenced how you lead your company? And then I also I want to tag on to that, if you can answer as well, what kind of things are going off in your mind right now? knowing that you're now seeing the first entry level of the Gen Z into the education space? Mm-hmm. Well, I think if, to answer that question first, um, I, I think there is um, the, the generation that, that is sort of coming up, they definitely have a huge parental influence on their college careers. Uh, you know, I remember when I went to college in the in the early 90s, it was all about just getting in. Nobody really, my parents, I don't even think knew my major until <laughs> I declared it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I asked my students at the beginning of each semester, how many people are doing business? You know, what reasons are you doing business? And probably 60 to 70% of them are doing it because their parents told them to. So I think that that's definitely a shift in, in the uh, you know sort of the future generations coming up, and that that parents are having a bigger influence on uh, what people are studying, and because they of course want them to be successful, so I think they're a little bit more involved in that process than maybe parents were um, as you know I was I was coming up through through college. Uh, so I think that that is um, one thing that um, stands out. Another thing that stands out is um, I, as a college student, I never would have gone to a professor and asked for an extension on a test or a paper or anything. I just, you know, I'm the type of person that when the rules are set for me, I kind of go by them and, and there's no wiggle room. And and I think that that's an expectation that I have as a um, as an employer. And I was sort of amazed in my first semester how many students came to me and wanted exceptions made for them uh, <laughs> because they are used to that. They are used to having somebody advocate for them or them advocating for themselves to do something that. Is as honestly, it's just a little bit shocking to me uh, that that people think. I mean, I I literally have had people say, "Yeah, I took a, um, a, a a trip this weekend, and they didn't have Wi-Fi on the bus, 
so I didn't complete the online assignment. And I I just could never imagine saying that to right. anybody, <laughs> especially somebody that was providing me with a grade, as if I was supposed to say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you didn't know about the assignment three weeks ago. All right. Um, and so, you know, I had to work with them and, and say, well, you know, you have to make sure that you take, if you're not sure about the Wi-Fi situation, you take the quiz before you actually get on the bus. You know, that, that type of stuff. And I don't think that, um, I don't know if it's if their parents didn't teach them that or their teachers didn't teach them that, but I'm hoping I can teach them that before they enter the, the working world because once they get to the working world, that's not going to fly. Absolutely. And, and, and Kelsey, uh, on, on, the, on the other side of that, I, I want to ask you, you know, now that you are working you know, essentially as a, as a part of an executive leadership team inside of New Generation Inc., what, what kind of things would you say are important for millennials to understand about working with someone who is older as an executive and being able to show value to them? Because one of the things that I'm actually looking at and paying attention on some research on is that everyone looks at value differently. Um, you know, a baby boomer might tell you the the value is, you know, put in hard work, work long hours, and eventually you'll get there, you know, and that might, you know, that might be what it means to them or the way you come across with certain things. Are you willing to stay late as we kind of talked about earlier, right? And not looking at the clock at 459, 59 and waiting for the clock to strike five and walking mm-hmm. out the door. But, you know, what, what as a millennial and you've been able to work with somebody so closely at the helm of, of, of a company, what would you say are kind of those, those things that you would want to share with our millennial audience about working with someone who is older as an executive that you think would just be good advice to give them? Sure. Um, well, I think you nailed it on the head when you said, you know, it's about showing value. Um, and I think it's easy uh, to sort of let the, what, you know, the, the umbrella things that people, the negative umbrella things that you hear in the media about millennials. It's, it's easy to let those kind of get to you sometimes. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a millennial, so I must be a little bit lazy or I must be selfish or I, I'm, I must not actually want to work with a team and, and build close relationships with my colleagues. And I think it's okay to just be like, you know what? That's not true. Like it, it maybe it is for some people, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they're a millennial and it's mm-hmm. just, you know, you be the person that you know that you are, that you, you know, were raised to be. You worked hard to get where you are and, you know, being, providing value and, and just being a valued member of the team and, and doing what you say you're going to do. Follow through, you know, be there on time, be there early. Um, you know, it's it's about the person you are and the worker that you are and, and not the fact that, you know, you're a millennial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's that's just really good sound advice. Um, and I, I, I sometimes even wonder if we're allowing um, the labels and stereotypes to define how and the way we go about our relationships. Um, and I think that that's something that especially in the workplace, we have to kind of remove. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen uh, firsthand doing consulting work with different companies, how, you know, some employees really follow this rigid standard of, well, that's a manager. I don't talk to them. I'm an individual contributor, so I don't go and have conversations with them. Um, I kind of stay in my lane sort of thing. And I think what you're starting to see now is that uh, companies that are doing really well at their leadership models, at their um, 
pushing their messaging even down internally inside of their companies are really breaking through a lot of that rigidness and and, and allowing uh, people to be human and build really oppor- really great opportunities to create uh, connectivity throughout the organization um, so that people do feel uh, leadership feels close to 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 the work just as you know the work does feel close to to leadership as well so um susan there was something really really great when we had an opportunity to talk and i, I kind of wanted you to share uh, as we get ready to wrap up a little bit about this organization just trying it i, I thought it was <laughs> it was really kind of cool name and 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 just kind of share a little bit about what that what that organization does and just kind of how you you know how how you're actually impacting uh lives today Sure. Uh, Just Trying It is an organization that was started seven years ago uh, here in Bethesda, Maryland. And there was a a boy named Ryan Darby, or is a boy named Ryan Darby, who he um, was diagnosed with cancer at the age of six. And uh, his mom's friends mobilized and they wanted to do something, but they didn't know what. So one of them had the idea, it was a, a group of sort of female runners, uh, mom's running group, and one said, let's do a triathlon and we'll call it Just Trying It. So it's T-R-Y-A-N, like Ryan's name. And Ryan is a cute little redhead, so our logo has a, his cute little hair in it as well. And he um, overcame uh, cancer. He's now 13 years old. But the point of the organization is to help families as their children are going through treatment. So we don't pay for any of the medical side of things. We pay for things like utilities and lost wages. Uh, We pay for car repairs. Uh, We pay for Ubers and grocery store um, gas cards and and grocery store uh, cards, gift cards, uh, so that people don't have as much of a financial hardship. They're already going through the worst time of their life. And then if a financial burden is put on top of that, it it can sometimes really spiral out of control. So we work hard to raise. We just uh, passed our million-dollar mark in uh, the end of 2016 in terms of fundraised. Yeah, so it's very exciting, and uh, it's a great organization. So that's our primary focus, but our secondary focus is to teach our children that you have to do good in the world and that you it's our responsibility to give back because what if they were in a, you know in the position where they were going through cancer treatment and they felt very alone so we really we work hard to bring kids to hospitals to actually see what's going on and who we're really helping and i love it for my children to see how hard i work at this organization even though we haven't had any childhood cancer in our family but it's how it's so important to make sure that uh, they understand the value of you know, we're, we're working hard to create the next generation of givers and the next generation of volunteers. Awesome. Awesome. And so uh, just lastly, as we wrap up, and I think that's a great uh, organization, we'll make sure that we inside of our show notes add a link uh, to that site. What's the website for that uh Susan. It's just trying it.org. Awesome. Okay, good deal. We'll make sure that we add that in the show notes. And then lastly, I'll, I'll pose this question to both of you. And, and, and Kelsey, we can start with you. You, you know, um, as as things continue to move forward, I mean, obviously, as we've kind of 
talked a lot uh, today around, you know, technology is really sometimes um, pushing the the conversation in the in the different types of mediums. And there's so many out there that sometimes it's almost mind numbing. Uh, it's a way people can uh, um, access information at a at the drop of you know just a couple of thumb taps. Um, yeah. But I'm curious to to understand um, and for both of you. What would you say is um, something that for News Generation Inc. you both would like uh, to really be on the forefront of as a company in the next five to ten years? Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's really about, you know, the conversations are going to happen. There is always going to be news. Um, you know, we're actually, as Americans, consuming and demanding more news now than, than we have been. Um, and I think part of it is the political climate that we're in. But, you know, people are interested in news and people want to be educated and be informed. So there's no lack of demand. It's just we need to be at the forefront. And I think we're positioning ourselves well to be be at the forefront of where those conversations are going to be happening. Um, you know, people are watching TV, people are listening to the radio, people are on social. They're in all these different locations, so it's just making sure that we're ahead of the curve and we're bringing our skill set, which is really that media relations and, and relationships that we are able to build with reporters um, and bringing those into wherever the conversations are happening. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, I, I think the model of going through reporters to get stories told is definitely changing. And so I want to stay in front of that trend. And I want to make sure that we are in touch with the people who have the loudest megaphones uh, where our clients want to be so that, that their content can be heard and seen and read and so staying on top of those influencers in the in the media in the new sense of the word is really important because if if we stay in the traditional uh media we probably will do okay but i think we really need to make sure that we are um at the forefront of where media is going and that will be a huge success for us Absolutely. And and so I just am so excited. And there's so many things that you both have kind of brought up today that I probably could spend about another two hours talking with you on on some deep dive <laughs> conversations. But I'm just very thankful uh, for, for your time today uh, to be able to share not only just with our audience about, you know, the things that you all are doing in your company, but providing a perspective that obviously as a Gen Xer, uh, we don't typically uh, have on our show. And so that's what I was really excited about. But then also the fact that you all have a partnership between an Xer and a millennial that has uh, budded well, and it has allowed you to uh, continue to, to build the company, uh, build for your customer base and take care of your clients as well. And I just think that that's a very unique uh, thing that you don't always hear about. And I'm just glad that we were able to highlight it right here on our show. So thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Susan, for your time. And uh, we look forward to being able to uh, not only just see what you all do in the future, but more stories like this coming about just because they were able to hear this interview today. Great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and your wonderful questions. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Well, I hope that you all had an opportunity to really enjoy this interview with Susan and Kelsey of 
News Generation Inc. as much as I enjoyed actually conducting the interview. And congratulations to News Generation Inc. on 20 years of service in the media space. Thank you guys so much. Congratulations to you. I hope you guys are enjoying the month and taking some time to reflect. Thank you guys so much for even stopping to take time out of your busy schedules and come on our show, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. I think it's a really cool partnership that they have. And I think it's something unique that uh, if you're an executive listening today, you could probably take some really good notes from Susan and you may even want to reach out to her as well. So thank you guys so much. I would ask that you would go out right now, go on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find us at the handle at High Level Wisdom, and you can actually share. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you thought. Tell your network. Go to LinkedIn. Share with uh, this episode with your network and tell them about what we are doing. Share with them what you learned, even as an executive or someone in your budding career. Uh, we want to make sure that we're continuing to not only get the word out, but we like to hear from you as well. So that's a really good place to start. Or you can simply go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com. Now, next week's show, I don't want to spoil all the beans, but you're going to hear from somebody who has a very incredible uh, company doing some really interesting things, who has a very unique perspective uh, on the millennial engagement into C-suites. Well, until next week, I look forward to hearing you in the next episode. If you are looking for your company to not only work towards the future, but also be very real and present from a digital space so that people know you exist, you want to work with Serendipity Interactive. Serendipity Interactive, we bring strategy to life by helping executives make fortunate discoveries for their business by focusing on the future while they maintain the present. Are you ready to make your own fortunate discovery? Visit serendipityinteractive.com and tell them that you heard this ad on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. That's serendipityinteractive.com.